All right, we're live from Indy. Eric Allen alongside former Jets quarterback Chad Pennington. And we're not only streaming on NewYorkJets.com, but uh, since you came in today, streaming on uh, Facebook nice. as well. So what do you think? Antonio Brown well, might have to watch his back. Yeah, I mean, you know, Chad Pennington on Facebook, I mean, that's uh, quite a rare occurrence, you know, so I consider myself lucky. Um, uh, people have been asking me about your Twitter account. <laughs> Speaking of social media platforms, why have you not been active on Twitter? Yes, yes, EA. I am a dinosaur when it comes to social media platforms. I struggle with returning your text, much less trying to be active on social media. But but I am trying. All right, so why don't you tell everybody what you're doing here this week in Indy at the 2017 NFL Combine. NFL Legends community is such a great community, and the league has done a great job of reconnecting with its former players and involving them in the process of everything going on throughout the calendar year. And so one of the initiatives this week with the Combine is bringing in former players and being mentors to our prospects and walking around with a group of quarterbacks or a group of running backs and sharing your experiences with those guys just try to make their transition into the combine and their experience here in the combine a little bit smoother try to uh, answer some questions that they may have So, so cp the quarterbacks are actually going to the bench later today Yes, probably uh, will not be very eventful at all. Did <laughs> so, you did you bench when you came to the combine? I, I did not bench. But Why not? I did everything else. Um, you know what? It's a great question. I don't remember. I just remember my focus being solely on running and moving. You know, and that was the biggest question on me coming into the combine, going into the draft, and so I, my whole attention was based upon how I ran and how I moved in those drills. All right, we got an action pack show today for you, Chad Pennington here at the convention center at twelve fifteen. Lead Bleacher Report draft writer Matt Miller will be on set. Then Mike Westoff, former Jets special teams coordinator, is going to come on board at about 12.30. We might have a special guest after that, but you're batting leadoff. I'm not going to bury the lead here. Okay. Brandon Marshall yes. went to Instagram uh, last night and thanked people for uh, from the Jets organization and a number of people have covered the team uh, saying that uh, he's going to be released by the Jets. Now, with that all being said, what was your reaction, not only to Brandon's release, but what's happened with this franchise over the past week? Because we knew they were over the cap before free agency began. There had to be some moves. Mike McKagan wants to build through the draft. He's released. Now, uh, Brandon Marshall, Nick Folk, Nick Mangold, uh, Breno Giacomini, and of course, Darrell Rivas. Uh Well, from a personal perspective, uh, I was surprised because talking with Brandon, I know that he enjoyed the New York metropolitan area, loved the culture in the area, everything about the area, especially post-career. He really enjoyed that aspect of it for he and his family. And so I was surprised from that aspect. When you look at it from a business standpoint, both from the Jets standpoint as well as Brandon's standpoint, it probably was something that could have happened and is okay that it is happening 11 so years but you you tasted the playoffs before how much do you think that's been gnawing at him that after 11 seasons this guy's an all-time great receiver that he has not been to the postseason i think that is weighing on his mind EA. i think that uh, for him knowing he is an emotional human being uh, he is one that, that deeply cares uh, about his career and, and how people view it. And I think that that's a missing link in his career to be able to say that to be such an accomplished receiver and not have a sniff at the postseason is probably something that he wants to try to get accomplished before his career is over. No, his numbers weren't where 
you'd expect from a Brandon Marshall last year, but the Jets struggled uh, in a number of phases of the game. We know that, and they started three different quarterbacks. I was asked about this earlier today when I made a radio appearance uh, in Seattle, and somebody asked me, hey, listen, do you think Brandon Marshall's got a lot of good football left in him? And I said he certainly does. I I really do. I believe that, too. I think that that there's going to be a team that sees uh, his value and what he can bring to the team, his physicality, his strong hands, his ability to make plays in the red zone. There's no question that he still has that talent. He just has to find that right place. What about uh, Darrell Rivas and Nick Mangold, uh, two guys who were teammates of yours? Um, and Rivas, one of the greatest cornerbacks ever to play, I think. Definitely one of the greatest cornerbacks I've seen uh, in person, best I've ever seen right. uh, at his apex. And then Mangold was a special player because not only was he a physical talent, I think he was so cerebral. No, oh, well, there's no question. Nick was, uh, for a, a rookie center to be able to come in like Nick Mangold and, and be able to operate the way he did as a rookie when we played together in 2006 and to see that consistent production for the next 11 years is remarkable. Uh, Revis and his production speaks for itself. I think sometimes as fans and analysts we uh, get used to how we think they should play and how they are playing and then we forget that age does take a toll and they have to reinvent themselves and reinvent their game and they can still be productive and with our teams in this league being so young it's so important to have good solid veteran leadership and veterans that can set the example so I think that Mangold and Revis if they want to and once they take care of their you know Mangold's got to take care of his health Revis has to take care of of his off the field situations and if they want to be able to continue to be productive pros they certainly can Definite youth movement going on for the New York Jets, Chad. Uh, Marshall is going to turn 33 next month. Darrell Revis will be 32 in July. Nick Folk is 32. Nick Mangold is 33. And Breno Giacomini is 31. So those are a number of veterans. And uh, right now when you look ahead to the draft, the Jets have four picks in the first three rounds, including the number six overall selection. Right, and and we get so caught up into what a team needs. And sometimes that need of of what is there uh, doesn't match up with either the draft class and what those uh, players are bringing to the draft class as well as the value. You always have to remember the value that you're getting to pick. And so just because you may need, you think you may need a quarterback or a certain position doesn't mean you necessarily go after that position in the first round because if he's not there, you can't take him. You can't waste that money. You can't waste that chance. And so it's all about value uh, as you're assessing your needs. Just have a new offense coordinator, John Morton and a new quarterback coach in Jeremy Bates. But he's not really new for those who follow right. the team. He was here in 2005. One of the quarterbacks on the Jets in 2005 was Chad Pennington. Yes. What can you tell us about Jeremy Bates? Because your history with him goes back a long way. Well, it does. And first I will say his work ethic as a coach and having the desire to help his players in his room as quarterbacks get better is unparalleled. I think that's the number one thing that Coach Bates has going for him is that he has an ultimate desire to make his guys better. He also has a passion for this game. He loves the game of football. Uh, He's a gym rat, uh, so to speak, when it comes to studying the game. He grew up in a football family, and so he gets it. And I think he will bring great value to the quarterback room, especially to the young quarterbacks at the Jets. So what do you think about the Jets quarterback room right now? Ryan Fitzpatrick and Geno Smith, they are free agents. Geno Smith said the other day, he was interviewed on NFL Network, he said he's keeping all his options open. Uh, Bryce Petty uh, coming off off off-season surgery. 
unfortunately, to his non-throwing shoulder, the left shoulder. And uh, Christian Hackenberg did not play his first season, but he'll get a reset here in the offseason because the Jets do have the new offensive coordinator, the new system, yes. and the new quarterbacks coach. Well, the, the Jets' offense, they are pushing uh, the reset button. In all phases, you're pushing the reset button with system. You're pushing the reset button with quarterback play, uh, terminology, everything. You, you are completely starting from scratch. And so everyone will be on high alert to learn and absorb as much as they can from every position on offense. But certainly the questions uh, linger around the quarterback position. It's obviously young. It's obviously inexperienced. Uh, doesn't mean that these guys can't make the type of improvement and growth to be productive, but I do think that the Jets will have to infuse some type of veteran presence in that room just for the sake of stability. No surprise. Todd Bowles was asked about this yesterday during his news briefing here in Indy. He said that, yeah, we're looking at a couple guys in free agency. We'll have to see how that all plays out. With that being said, there's been a lot of talk about guys on other people's roster, and I really don't want to get into that because uh, they are on other folks' rosters right now, and we know who they are, the Tony Romos of the world, the Jay Cutlers, and the list goes on and on. But Mike Lennon is expected to be a free agent, and a couple other guys out there. What do you see when you look at free agency as far as veterans are concerned? Well, I think, first of all, you have to look at any type of body of work that you may be able to get a hold of and see what they've been able to do preseason, regular season, if they've got the opportunity. You also have to go back to your draft grades and look at your draft grades and how you evaluated them as college athletes as well and see where they were on your draft boards, what you thought of them in the evaluation process. And then you have to look at who's going to fit what we do on offense and what we want to do on offense. And so sometimes it may not be the fit that everybody thinks, uh, of the person coming to the organization. Maybe something that's strictly a fit only for the Jets. So a lot of variables right now and really a lot of unknowns. A uh, uh, huge decision to be made by one of the Jets' AFC East rivals, the Buffalo Bills. They have to decide whether they're going to pick up the option on Tyrod Taylor because if not, Tyrod Taylor could be an unrestricted free agent. Sure, and, and a lot of people uh, feel that the, the Bills you know, will retain Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. It's What we forget sometimes is that there's not a quarterback tree that you can just go out there and pick off of and find that next guy. It's it's, it's very limited, um, and it's it's very fragile when you're talking about the quarterback world. And so uh, that could be an option. If it is, uh, I think Tyrod would certainly be someone that the Jets will be really interested in. He's proven. He's tough. He comes from a northeastern climate. They've played against him. They know what he's about. So there's some familiarity there. What do you know about this group that you're working with this week, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, are going to rush to the podiums today because Mitch Trubisky from sure. North Carolina started 13 games for the Tar Heels. He's going to be talking, as is Deshaun Watson, who had a tremendous collegiate career at Clemson and led the Tigers to a national championship victory over Alabama. And then, of course, Deshaun Kaiser, who played well at Notre Dame at times. There's a tremendous talent, uh, played under Brian Kelly. And then there's a, there's a kid from Texas Tech who's getting a lot of buzz yes. lately around here, Patrick and that's Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Yes. What do you uh, know about this class? Well, uh, there are some unknowns, and, and the college systems nowadays uh, create some of those unknowns. Uh, sometimes it's hard for evaluators to really look at these guys and imagine them in a pro setting. 
uh, being able to absorb a lot of information and then process that information, disseminate that information to their teammates. So that's always the biggest challenge in our league today is trying to assess whether or not we see that the, the kid has the talent, the physical talent, but can he absorb the information as a quarterback and be able to execute? And that's the biggest challenge. So when I look at these guys, that, that's going to be it. That's that's the question. Uh, we, we see athleticism. Uh, we see arm talent in this class. And I would say, you know, a lot of the people around uh, – the league and, and your sources would say that this is not a heavy quarterback draft class. So, uh, but that doesn't mean you can't find value, right? And that goes back to the value question of we may be able to find that guy in the third and fourth round that brings great value to our team and could be a Dak Prescott. Uh, Dak Prescott, who the Cowboys drafted in the fourth round. We're here in Indianapolis at the 2017 Combine. Chad Pennington, we got time for maybe just another question before he joins the quarterbacks across the way over at Lucas Oil. And then Bleacher Report's Matt Miller is going to step in here. And then finally, uh, Mike Westoff will be joining us a little bit later on. So, uh, Chad, breaking down the quarterbacks a little bit for you here. Uh, one thing before you go, buddy. Uh, something struck me that Ty Bowl said yesterday. He said, we're not rebuilding. You're always right. looking to win. And, sure. and talk about that from just a competitor standpoint because it's easy for us to write and talk about it. Hey, the Jets are tearing it down to build it back up. Right. Well, they're making changes. And, and from a competitive standpoint, if you're the head coach of this team, <laughs> you're going to want to win with whoever you have in front of you. And he sounds excited and reinvigorated about the teaching aspect. Well, as a coach, when you say rebuild, you are sending an indirect message to your team that winning is at the number one importance. And winning is always the number one goal. Um, so uh, for every team, and, and especially in our league today, the teams are constantly changing. You even heard the Patriots talk about after their Super Bowl victory, this team was special because of this. This team did this. Now they've moved on to the 2017 team. Right. 2016 has nothing to do with 2017. And so every team is taking that approach. And whether we believe on the outside that they are rebuilding, I think you make a great point. It's about making necessary changes, having to reload, tweak, move some players in, move some players out. It's the nature of the business. But to send a message to your team that you're rebuilding, that sends a message that winning's not important. And Coach Bowles doesn't want to do that. That's right. Uh, exciting time for everybody. Uh, free agency starts next week. We're going to let you... Uh, get over with the quarterbacks now, Chad. Great seeing you here in Indy. You too. And uh, we're going to bring in Matt Miller here in just a moment as Chad exits stage right and heads over to Lucas Oil. Uh, Chad Pennington. Uh, Matt Miller coming on board now. And then Mike Westoff, former Jets special teams coordinator, will be in the house around 1230 or so. I might have a special guest for you at home. Um before we close today but here is matt miller uh this is your time of year buddy uh, how are you hanging oh, in I, you gotta follow at nfl draft scout on twitter because uh you're gonna get some information you're gonna get a couple laughs and uh <laughs> what we've been finding out about matt lately is that he finds out a lot of information late at night. Yes, yeah, a lot of late nights, especially here. Yeah. Um, you know, if you go to bed before 3 or 4 in the morning here, you're not doing your job right. So, yeah, you're, you're right. The, the Twitter account is like equal parts NFL drafts, uh, beer recommendations, and 
poking fun at the the people that follow me. So it's <laughs> so what's follow the, it, you know at your own risk. <laughs> what is the buzz here early on over the first couple of days here in Indy? Well, I think you know right now because it's so offensive line heavy. Um, you know there hasn't been like that big overwhelming story. I, I think the good thing was all the quarterbacks came in over six foot two, so like there was a big sigh of relief there that, that no one was you know under that six two threshold. Um, you know Leonard Fournette coming in at two hundred forty pounds definitely turned some heads, and he's going to run today. He told me uh, Tuesday when I was coming in, we talked, and he said he's going to run four, you know, four four two, four four four. If he does that at two forty, that will be the story of the week for sure. Because to be that big and that fast is pretty pretty rare. Um, for lack of a better term, I think you love Leonard Fournette. He's your number two overall prospect. Yeah, got right? a whole man crush going on yeah? Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I just I just think players like that, like football, it's, at some point we overcomplicate everything, and it just kind of comes down to like who's the biggest, strongest, fastest guy out there. And so my top two players this year are freaks, Miles Garrett and Leonard Fournette, and I'll bet all day on those athletic traits and the skill set that we've seen from those guys uh, over the last three years. So if Fournette runs a four four, then in late April. Where do you think he'll go? In he the might draft? go number two to San Francisco. You if do? That you I, do think so? We'll huh? see. You know what John Lynch's draft philosophy is, but if he goes to that true best player available, which you guys know all about in New York, <laughs> then then I think Fournette has to be in the, in the conversation just because of what he does bring to the table. And maybe Reuben Foster would be someone you would look at there as well. But I don't know anyone who values the quarterbacks that early in this draft. Now that doesn't mean they won't go early because it happens all the time. But right. But if you're just stay, saying we're going to draft the best player on the board, Leonard Fournette could go as early as two. Uh, he could go four to Jacksonville. He could go six to a certain team that, that you know a little bit about. So he's he's going to be a very early pick. How though. do you separate him and uh, Dalvin Cook, the explosive back from Florida State? Yeah, I love Dalvin Cook's three-down ability. But I, I think when you have two electric players like that, you you start to look at things like the combine to separate them. You know, They're going to be very similar in terms of 40 speed, and Fournette weighs 30 pounds more. So that's a good way to separate them. Uh, Dalvin's obviously a better pass catcher from what we saw in college. We're going to see Fournette catch the ball here in the running back drill. So you start to use events like this to separate them. I think with Dalvin, there are some concerns off the field. Uh, There's some injury concerns as well with the shoulders, the hamstring. He's had some fumbling issues. So I start to – people will think, oh, you're beating up on Dalvin Cook. But, no, I'm just – I'm looking for traits that separate one player from the other. Is Reuben Foster, the aforementioned Reuben Foster, getting enough love? I think he kind of is – here on the ground in Indy, but I don't know if enough people know about him nationally because Reggie Raglan came out of Alabama last year and he played on the inside and he was a stud. Now Foster came in and I'm hearing unbelievable things about him. Foster's the best linebacker I've ever seen come out of Alabama. So I've been doing this job six years at Bleacher Report. I would take Ruben Foster over C.J. Mosley. He is a special player. You know, last year we talked up Jalen Smith and Miles Jack so much and even Darren Lee was a guy that got talked up a lot. Ruben Foster is in that same tier, especially once the injuries happen to Smith and Jack. So he is a special player. I know he came in a little light here. Everyone sheds weight here to run. How fast. much was he? He was two twenty nine. Okay. So I'm not. You know, Navarro Bowman's about two forty at six feet tall. So I'm confident Ruben Foster could get up to two forty. It's not going to be a problem. And if you've watched him over the last two years. He's a heat-seeking missile when he goes to find the ball. So special player, great traits, too. Everyone you talk to says, you know, this kid, he's wired right. He's going to be a leader from day one. He loves football. You're not going to ever have to worry about him being dialed in. He could be an interesting guy who still could be on the board at number six, huh? Oh, absolutely. Gosh, talk about changing your defense, like, right off the bat. And, you know, I've talked a lot about corner being a big need for the Jets, maybe going there early, uh, maybe going safety, depending on what happens at free agency. But 
Reuben Foster, if he's there, I don't think that would be a crazy fit at all because you had David Harris getting older, and we see a team that, especially with the cuts as of late, you're getting very young, and yeah. you're getting very athletic. Reuben Foster absolutely fits that mold. If you could have Reuben Foster, Darren Lee, and Jenkins at linebacker, that's a pretty damn good trio right there. And they're going to have to grow up a little bit together, but gosh, they'd be exciting. You mentioned uh, cornerbacks. Um, you like get out of Florida, Quincy Wilson. And right. Marsha and Lattimore is up there from Ohio State. We know that. Uh, Cindy Jones from Washington. And uh, various White as well. Um, tell me how many first-round talents you think are out there right now. Six, seven, yeah. eight. I, I had ten in my top 60 when I checked wow. this morning. So the corner class is absolutely loaded, which is great news because there are, I think, elite talents. And Quincy Wilson is he's going to six one two fifteen, so he's great for a press scheme. Yeah. So you look at like what's you know Seattle's defense has now spread across the league. He's a great fit for that scheme because of his size and his power. Marshawn Lattimore, while not a small guy, is a little bit faster. They both have great ball skills. I, I think they would both be in the conversation for me if I'm there at pick number six. If if Mac wants to give me a call, like both <laughs> those guys would be on the board for me because of the need of the position. Now because of the depth, you could say. We want, to, we want to get a package of players. So at six, maybe we go, let's Reuben Foster at six. Well, then when you come back in round two, could you get a Tredavious White or you know Marlon Humphrey or Tease Tabor because there are so many good corners. Right. It's only 32 first-round picks, so somebody is going to fall to that top of the second round. Yeah, it would be interesting if the Jets go out and get a cornerback in free agency. Yeah. Maybe because now with all these releases – I got some cap room. Got a little bit of money now to use. Yeah, <laughs> right. so you look at like guys like Stephon Gilmore's out there, AJ Boy's out there. Like, there's some really good young corners, and and you know, trying to stay young and athletic while not breaking the bank is a great team building philosophy. So if that's the direction they go, those those are players who can, you know, they're not going to get that 16 mil a year that Tremaine Johnson just got, but they're they're good players who could be impacts. What about the safety position? Because we keep on hearing about two names, Jamal Adams. I heard somebody talk about today that he. They got him atop their entire draft board. Yeah. And then uh, Malik Hooker at Ohio State. Jamal Adams is one of the cleanest prospects I can remember seeing just because he's a great player on the field. He's a leader. Everyone loves him off the field. Like we were talking about with Ruben Foster, you're never going to have to worry about if this kid wants to come practice or not because he, he lives and dies with balls. So that's great. Malik Hooker, kind of a one-year wonder, but my goodness, his range and ability to find the ball is special. And you know, he has seven interceptions this year. He just flies all over the field. So it's crazy. I never thought I would ever compare guys to Eric Berry or Earl Thomas, but that's who they remind me of well, because – and Jamal has coverage skills. He could play free safety. You know, I've seen him play corner at times. Hooker is your more traditional center fielder going to play over the top. But because of the, the need there and, and with Calvin Pryor uh, – I don't know if he's in the long-term plans or not. There's definitely either guy could fit into that team right now. Now, how deep do you think this first round is? Because on the surface, what I'm hearing from you and a lot of people is that you guys are excited about the talent. And if you're looking at the Jets, they got a number of holes to fill. And Mike McKagan is going to address plenty of them through free agency. Mm -hmm. But with you not maybe being a player away that – could you move back in this draft and get a, get a few players that are going to be impact yeah. guys right away? Absolutely. You always have to be open to trading back when you're a bad team. Like, you, you always have to because, you you know, like you said, we don't just need one player. You need five or six. So depending on how the board falls, the difference is 
you know, I think there are more than six elite players in this class. Yeah. But at six, because we expect some quarterbacks to go early, you could be looking at the second or third best player overall. Kind of like a Lynn Williams situation where no one expects a guy like that to fall, and then you're sitting there and he's on the board. You have to take him. So, But but, but I don't think Jonathan Allen's coming here. He, you know, he might with the shoulder. <laughs> yeah, he will not be the pick. You're right. He might be on the board. But, yeah, Miles Garrett's probably not going to fall to pick number six this year, unfortunately. Um, tell us about Corey Davis from Western Michigan. Was, yeah. Has he been on your radar for a while? And why could he challenge maybe Mike Williams for being the, the, the top wide receiver selected? So two years ago, Corey Davis at Western Michigan, his teammate Daniel Braverman declared for the draft. And I was like, I'm watching the film, and I'm like, this other guy's the one that should have declared for the draft. Like, he's a special talent. I actually met Corey the other night. He's built like Terrell Owens. Like, Ooh. he's just jacked. And he's a great kid. His production over four years speaks for itself. I mean, he was one of the best receivers in college football the last four years. He's explosive. He's physical. If I had to nitpick, I would say he drops the ball a little bit, but I'm not worried about that because when he catches it, he's he's pretty good with it. So he is a different player. I think Mike Williams is a little more physical, more of a jump ball type. Corey Davis is more of your traditional yards after catch guy who does have some size as well. They both top ten picks. They're both top ten players. I think. Yeah, and again, unless the quarterbacks, unless there's a run early on quarterbacks, then yeah, we're gonna see those guys go way off the board early. If not, gosh, a team like Philadelphia at 14 or 15, depending on this coin toss. They might just get real lucky and have a receiver on the board there. Will there be a run on quarterbacks early? I think Do you there believe has that? to be. There yeah. always is. And yeah. you look at the needs of teams. You know, the Browns need one, Niners need one, Bears need one. Jacksonville, they're probably not going to draft one early, but they also need one. Tennessee could trade out of that spot at number five. You guys could pick one. Like, there are there's so many teams early in this draft that need a quarterback. It's, it, it's And it's such a premier position. Just in my all my time covering and studying the draft, it, it stands to reason someone's gonna fall in love with one of these guys. But in, on your overall big board, oh, I wouldn't touch one of them. Yeah, yeah, no you, way. you're looking at um, the way you have it is Trubisky and Kaiser very tight. Yeah, in the late teens maybe, and then Deshaun Watson. You almost have a second. It looks like you almost got a second. Yeah, I probably grade will on. have like an early round two grade on when yeah. it's all said and done, and then Pat Mahomes. I love the developmental tools, but gosh, you're gonna have to be patient getting yeah. him on the field. Just unless he's completely changed his footwork in the last three months, and right. maybe he has, but he's gonna need a lot of work. So, like, yeah, if you're going true, you know, value, true traits and and scouting, those guys, you know, Trubisky and Kaiser are probably around 15, 16 overall. But because of the needs, they might go two, three. Just because if you, you know, the Niners don't have a quarterback on their roster right now, so they're, they're gonna have to address that position somehow. Um, your top overall prospect is Miles Garrett. Yeah. Uh, so t- let's talk about Garrett a little bit. But you also like an edge guy from Stanford, and give me the reasons why you like him. And is he prototypical four three end, or can he be, he be the three four uh, outside rushbacker? Yeah, I think Miles Garrett. It just comes down to I've never seen anyone like him before. Like athletically, he's you know he measured in this morning and he's got thirty five inch arms and he's he's two seventy five and he's chiseled and he's probably gonna run in the four fives and he's been an impact player. Like he, even if when he didn't have sack production, he demanded double teams. He even got triple teams at time. He's great at using that length to keep blockers off his body. Uh, he's got a good motor. Uh, he, he's he's just a special talent. And with Solomon Thomas, who kind of got on my radar a little late because he was a redshirt sophomore, so I didn't know if he would declare or not. Right. I think he's more of a prototypical 4-3 defensive yeah. end just because he doesn't have that quick twitch that you see. But 
in a short area, his quickness is, is like Aaron Donald with what he can do from a power step perspective. Wow. So he would be in a 4-3. He could play end. He could play three technique. He could probably play five technique a little bit in a 3-4. So he's just a special guy with quickness. He's got long arms as well, even though he's just a hair under 6-3. And, again, you watch that UNC game. The, the Sun Bowl, he absolutely destroyed their entire offensive line. He was like a one-man wrecking crew. So he is a, a, just a, also a great kid and a good player. Uh, a last question for Bleacher Report's Matt Miller here. What's the deal with the offensive tackles this year? I was talking to Dane Brugler about this yesterday, that every draft that I can remember, we've always talked about offensive tackles in the top ten. Now, yeah. now a month and a half out or two months out, doesn't look like – anybody's going to be going early. No, yeah, Dane's absolutely right. You know, Garrett Bowles uh, has had a good workout so far this morning. That might push him to be a top 15 pick just because historically someone always goes in the top 15. But this is not the year to need an elite left tackle, and which can be unfortunate for a team that needs some offensive line help. But I think some of it is the development of these guys in college. They're just not asked to do a lot of things pro style. And, you know, you look at the two top tackles this year, Garrett Bowles and Ryan Ramchek, they were both one-year starters at Division I schools. So you're really buying into the athletic upside of these players and not so much what they actually did on the field. Well, it's Radio Row. You're a busy man. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by, and we'll let you to get get you uh, going to some more work. You can follow him at NFL Draft Scott. That's Matt Miller. We're going to bring in Mike Westoff here momentarily. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Good to see you again. All right, so you've heard from Chad Pennington here in Indy as well as Bleacher Report head NFL draft writer Matt Miller. We're bringing in uh, Coach Mike Westoff right now, who's an analyst on SNY, long-term, a long-time special teams coordinator for the Jets, of course. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. All right, great. Happy to be here. Um, all right, so let's not bury the lead. Uh, Jets... Yeah. reportedly moving on uh, from Brandon Marshall. Uh, right. Your reaction when you found out about it? Interesting, because I, I, I've always liked to know exactly why. And, 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 and I heard reported that, um, that, that that he brought it up, that, that he mentioned that he wanted to finish his career with a contender or with a, a you know playoff-bound team or whatever. He's never been to a playoff game, I don't believe, right. as a football player. And, and I can understand that. Um, I'm always a little disappointed to be honest, because I'm still a fan. You know, I'm a Jet fan. I, that's, I, I'll always be. And, um, you know, I, I guess I want the guy that, that always wants to get us into those playoffs. And if for some reason he thinks his talents are better elsewhere, then they probably are. Um, frankly, to, to be honest, I was very disappointed in his play last year. Because yeah. I, I think he's a heck of a football player. I thought two years ago, I, I not only liked what he did, I liked the way he handled it off the field. I was very impressed. I don't think I was as equally unimpressed last year, but I was close to it. I was just disappointed. Um, someone asked me a question last year during the season. They, they said, Mike, is it the, does he want to be an actor or a football player? And, and I was disappointed that even someone would have to ask me that question. And to be honest with you, I thought a little bit he was playing football like an actor because I just didn't see what I had seen from him in the past. And, and that's disappointing. Um, and there were lots of things that were disappointments. So I guess to, a long answer to your simple question, um, under the circumstances, it, it may be a very good move. Because sometimes I think there's a movement now for a, a little bit of youth and, yeah. and some exuberance and some enthusiasm. And, and I'm not sure 
that that was completely there with him. So I, I actually think if for the Jets, this is probably, in a lot of ways, a good, solid move. I still think Brandon is a lead player in this league. Uh, he is. Yeah, acquired in a trade in 2015. I think he had one of the finest off, off offensive seasons Incredible ever by a Jet. Absolutely. He, Absolutely. You're talking about 1,400 yards receiving, 14 touchdowns, 10 100-yard games. Right. Wow, he was amazing. I love the way he handled himself off the field. Yeah. I loved his leadership, the way he was such a teammate. And then and then that seemed to wane a little bit. And, and for whatever reason, uh, injuries are always a factor with that. So in some ways, y- you have to move on. There's yeah. a business. And, and the Jets have shown quite obviously in these last couple of weeks, last couple of weeks or so that they mean business. And that's what I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Mike McKagan has ma- uh, made it clear after the season, and Woody Johnson did as well, said, we want to build this team through the draft. And you're talking about guys that they've released over the past week or 10 days or so, and Brandon Marshall's going to turn 33. Darrell Rivas going to turn 32 in July. Uh, Nick Folk is 32, Nick Mangle, 33, Breno Giagamini, 31. Correct. So there definitely is a youth moment going on here. There's no doubt. It really is. Um, And every name that you mentioned has been a viable contributor and done a lot of good things on and off the field. Guys that you could be proud of that they were Jets. But at the same time, there's been some changes. Injuries, age, et cetera, et cetera. And you have to move on. Now, Sometimes you're not quite ready to make this drastic of a move. But so what? Let's make the move and let's get going and get this team back on track. I can deal easily with rebuilding, quote unquote. Coaches don't do that, but I can I can deal with it. If I see the team moving forward, yeah. I, w- I want to see the preparation. I want to see the changes. With that in mind, I, I can deal with whatever happens. All right. We're here in Indy, 2017. NFL Combine. The quarterbacks are going to speak today. And uh, what do you know about Patrick Mahomes from Texas Tech? Only a little bit that I've heard, um, and, and I, I won't, I won't try, I won't quote him. But I, I actually am, am good friends with uh, with a number of guys that that, that's, that that go into this. But the guy that that, um, that jumps at me. Here's what I heard, and, and I don't really want to reveal my source. I don't know if that's you don't that, have to, you don't have to, to do. <laughs> but I can in some ways. I, I've got to know John Gruden very well. Yeah, he invited me to come up to Orlando to be to be part of his show. You know, to, to just be on the set. The Gruden's quarterback field. camp. Yeah, the, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. He talked to me just the other day about doing that, and I want to do it. He recommended. The young man from Texas Tech. He kind of liked that. Again, it's only this little bit. We haven't seen everything, but there's some things that jumped out at him. I don't think anyone knows and studies quarterbacks better than John Gruden. I really don't. And that name, you know, it it, it popped up a little bit. So are you going to go visit with I'm going to do it. I'm going to go up there. I live close to Orlando. It's going to take me a couple hours. I'll drive over there. And uh, he said I I could be on the set, you know, sit in and watch him do it, go out on the field with him, and just witness him be a part of it. So I think when it's all done, I'll have a pretty good feel for who's a good quarterback. Yeah, do you know which quarterbacks you're actually going to see? Are you going to see all of them? I know he's going to have the the, the top guys there. and so, obviously, Trubisky, uh, yeah, and Trubisky and Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. And, yeah, I, I Deshaun know that Kaiser. for sure. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, those are the guys. Who else? I don't have the whole. And, yep. I, and I probably won't be able to see every one. Right. But I think it would be a great experience and uh, certainly give me a pretty good idea who looks pretty good. All right, Coach, we talked about some of these moves the Jets have made. So they're definitely under the cap here. Right. I don't know what the exact number it's is. Some reports is close to $40 million. I, I'm going to guess mid-30s. Yeah, yep. Somewhere around there. 
So with that, which is a lot of money. With that being said, free agency around the corner because the combine is late this year. Free agency starts on Thursday. It's amazing. Right. Quick turnaround here. What do you want to see from the Jets in free agency now? As I think that, they've got, I think they've got the resources. I would go get a really good cornerback. No, I would get a corner that, that's young, a young man from Texas, uh, from the Texans, uh, from, from the Houston team. Really interests me. AJ Bouya. Yeah, yeah, I'd like yep. to see him. Uh, get some money invested there and get one there, one in the bank, and then go from there. I, you know, I, I am not in favor of spending a big, gigantic ton of that money to get one of those to get one of the free agent quarterbacks. Right. I don't believe in that. That's not what I what I feel the Jets should do. Uh, if they go that way, I'll I'll honor it and respect it. But I'm going to sure question it. I don't want that to happen. I'd like to see them start at that cornerback position. Right. I'd also like to see them if they could find. A good solid, and I mean a good solid starter as an offensive lineman somewhere. This is a, not a great year in the draft at the tackle position. Yeah. You wish it were. It's not. I'm hearing just rumors of, of a guy that could be the best. It was brought to me by some scout type people, uh, young man from from Utah. Yeah, both. Yeah, but I heard some good things yeah. about him. So we'll, we'll see. I'll I'll learn more of this as I go. I don't know everybody yet. I'm just starting to get started, uh, beginning to get started. Um, I'd like to see them try to try to do that and solidify that a little bit. Uh, so I think they could spend a little bit of money and get and really get a foundation right. and then get into the draft and go to work. But that to me, that cornerback is what I would start with. That would be my goal. Yeah, and we were talking about it yesterday when I saw you here at the hall uh, during a hallway conversation at the convention center is that just because you get a cornerback in free agency doesn't preclude you from coming not. back in the draft. Maybe number six, you, you want to you, you want a cornerback. You never have you never have enough of those guys because yeah. you're always playing nickel and dime packages. You're always playing so many of your sub packages, and you have to have them. Um, and this is a good corner draft. Now I've heard some arguments from, and I try to I try to sit with the guys that are that know a lot more about it than me. That study the draft, they study everyone, and and, and there's some real question marks as to is there a corner. Lots of good ones, but is there one worthy of the sixth pick? Mm, yeah. And right now, the people that I've talked to don't feel so. They're, they're a little nervous. Yeah. You know, the, the young man from Ohio State. Marshawn uh, Lattimore. Marshawn, that, that he's got, he, he's not a jam guy, doesn't do that very well. Great athletic skills. He's got a history of injury. Yep. And that scares me a little bit. He's had a hamstring thing. He's already had a hamstring surgery. Yeah, I, I don't want D. Milner, you know, with a guy that's got a history of injury. Right. That scares me. I love the young man from Florida. He's a guy that I personally know a little bit about. Uh, but yet I heard he's not quite ready for that pick. That's all interesting how they grade it. Right. You know, I'm not, I don't know enough right now because I'm not, I'm not the one that's sitting down and grading all the films and putting numbers on these guys. But that makes it interesting. But it is a loaded group, and you're going to get a good football player there. To get two, I'm in favor. Now, we were talking about the offensive line before for the Jets. Uh, Ryan Clady is going to be a free agent. Right. Uh, the Jets released a seven-time Pro Bowler Nick Mangold at Correct. center position. Brennan Giacomini started 37 games for Correct. this team over the past three seasons of right tackle. Coach, you are doing radio uh, and also SNY, so you're watching the Jets each and every week That's throughout correct. the year. Always. Do you like what you saw from Wes Johnson at the center position? I did. No. Do you, do you think be he could be you, the guy? I think he's got a heck of a chance. To tell you the truth, I was surprised because I didn't know him that well. I was worried about a disaster. 
And I saw some teams test them, yeah. where they would come down and they would you know, dub, double it, double eagle. You, you slide the line down and you isolate him, where they can get a one-on-one on him. Right. He handled it. He did a nice job. I, I was very, very impressed. Um, I thought their offensive line really showed some very good coaching. I did. Steve Marshall, yeah, I thought, I thought he did thought a he tremendous did a, job. Nine line combinations last year. I thought he year. did a heck of a job. Yeah. And uh, with some of the things that, some of the hands that he was dealt. Well, to me, one of the ways I always judge a coach and judge myself was, okay, what do you do with what you have? Because you, you always don't have everything. Well, how are you going to figure it out? And I think he did a heck of a job with that. So Johnson impresses me. Um, how about Brandon Shell at the right tackle position? He started down the stretch. He, for, he did a better job than when I first saw him in training camp. I thought he was very awkward. Yeah. He had a real tendency to lean forward. He didn't have the good balance. He improved. He yeah. improved his technique. Through the, now, I haven't studied him enough to really say this guy's a bona fide guy. But he, he, he's going to make it interesting. Yeah, it, Better than I expected. And, and from what I watched in training camp, I, I'm thinking to myself, this is really a raw young man yeah. that needs a lot of work. But I saw that progression during the season he, and he's at the end of the year pretty good guy he's a mauler he's long um that's what you like and, and you know Todd Bowles said it when he met with the media that he will be have an opportunity to start at that right tackle spot left tackle we'll see what happens there I wonder if, once free agency uh commences you, you do, know, do, do, do so you kick hard. the tires again with Clady? I don't it's know so hard to, yeah. to pick up a free agent you know, left tackle because yeah. nobody, you know, they're, they're just not giving them away. It's like, you know, losing an arm or something, you know, <laughs> it sounds good, but forget it. Nobody wants to do that. Uh, so you're going to get someone that's got lots of gaps and holes there. You may have to draft that position or draft someone that could move into that position. Um, the thing that uh, w- with shell that I'll go back to him for just a second. I think he needs, I'd love to see him really just move into the weight room. I think he needs to be a little stronger. Yeah. He's headed in that direction. He's not far from it. And he can get that, take that little bit extra step. Because sometimes the guys, it really happened to Brickershaw Ferguson. I can, I'll never forget, I can remember sitting in meetings um, with Eric and Eric looking at our Tony Wise, our offensive line coach, and just abusing him as to why we drafted this guy. Yeah. I just really, it was really, it was, it was, it really wasn't any fun. You know, what are we doing with this guy? You criticized him up and down. Why did you, you know, you telling me this? We took him in the first round. And, and I used to sort of defend Tony. Uh, Eric had a thing. Eric, Eric didn't. Eric didn't argue with me. He let me alone. Uh, we got along pretty well, actually, which was a good thing for him. Uh, but anyway, because I don't, I was frustrating for me what was happening. But when Eric, when when DeBrickishaw Ferguson came out of Virginia, he looked more like a big time basketball player yeah. than he did it. Cause Power remember, forward. Remember, he only, remember he only weighed like two eighty six, two eighty five. And and I said, you know, and a lot of times that affected how he was playing. Because in order to stop the bull rush, because he didn't have the size and girth and strength, he had to lunge and try to smack. Well, that would lead to leaning forward and getting beat. Mm. So the, he wasn't—he didn't have the body to properly execute the technique. He didn't have that. Right. But once he grew into it, and I never—I used to go in the weight room and I, I would watch and I'd be, you know, I said, well, who, who's doing that? And the guy said, that's Brick's coming in. Yeah. And I watched them step by step by step get bigger and stronger. And all of a sudden, this is a guy to play the gazillion games. Well, what a run with him and uh, Nick Mangle. So number four overall, the Brickshaw Ferguson from Virginia, and then number 29 Nick. overall, he played, Nick Mangle. He played a million games at Pro Bowl level. 
And, and that's something that we all took for granted because you get so used yeah. to it. But, but what I saw with Brick and I've seen with a lot of young guys is sometimes they have to develop and grow into the position. You're not quite strong enough, or right. you might be real strong enough, and you don't have the quite the, the movement and the, the being fluid enough. And sometimes that takes time. And this is what some of the questions are right now at that offensive tackle. As I was going through the draft, I was really hoping I'd find three or four guys that I just oh yes, 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 yeah. and I don't see that yeah, right that now. Yeah, it seems like a lot of questions. And I'm not hearing that. <laughs> so that that's a, that's an interesting question because the Jets really need to to bolster that. I think they've got some. They've got some building blocks, but they have some work ahead. All right. Well, one more question for uh, Mike Westoff before we get in. Uh, Bob Glauber is stopping by here at the Indianapolis Convention Center. Long-time NFL writer for Newsday, of course. Uh, Coach, uh, speaking of young players, uh, what do you think about the development of Leonard Williams last season and then him getting his first Pro Bowl worth? And then behind him, how about the way Darren Lee – came on and showed development late in the season. You talk about a guy who you'd like to see a jump from. We saw Leonard take that jump from year one to year two. Maybe Darren Lee can take a jump from year one to year two. It's, it's, it, it, not only should it, it has to happen. Yeah, It has to happen. I, I was very disappointed with the what I saw out of Darren Lee. Be, and, and, I'm, and I'm just going to go back. I'll be honest with you. I, I'm going I'm to put it on the coaches. I think you have to get a guy in a position to be able to execute what he can do, his skills. This is an extremely quick, explosive football player. And he's playing inside, taking on 300-pound guards. He has no chance. Yeah. If I run offense, I, I think I'm going to pound him. Put him in, I'm going to run the ball every play. I'm going to beat him to death. But all of a sudden, you start moving him around, and he's coming off the edge, and he's involved in blitz packages. Look out. I could see him at, at the, off, off of the defensive left side with Leonard Williams being a rush package that would almost that would give any offense fits yeah. for the, what those two guys could do and we didn't see it so i'm going to put the pressure on the coaches to come up i want to see an identity i mean i, I really believe it's, it's almost like I, I i'm frustrated as a coach sometimes it's like i want to give me a board and, and i'll draw you a four three defense and put these guys in it and win football games i really firmly believe that that's just me maybe that's maybe that's my arrogance uh but I believe in that. I want to see our defensive line remind me of the sack exchange. I want to see the same kind of guys. Because I used to go against the sack exchange. Yep. We never had a meeting at Coach Shula. Well, how do, how do we handle him? How do we handle him? What do we do with Klecko? How do we, what do we do with, you know, with, with Joe? How are we going to play these guys or, you know, with, with Marty? And, and it was tough. I didn't see that because I saw people moving all over in different spots and Leonard, uh, you know, and, and uh, Sheldon Richardson dropping into the flat. I was right. frustrated with that. I don't want to see Darren Lee inside taking on that gigantic guard. I want to see the middle linebacker. You know, I want to see David Harris playing that position. Or maybe in the draft, maybe a young man from, from Alabama. Yeah, would be an interesting Foster, Foster yeah. would be an interesting sixth pick. And that may make you move on from David if you did. But one thing you'd know for sure, we're younger and we're faster. But this group can run, and that's a positive thing. I want to have something that scares the opponent. I don't want to, I don't want to say, I don't want to play Jets defense. Holy mackerel, they drive you crazy. That's what I want to see. And to tell you the truth, I, don't, I, I didn't see it last year. I didn't see it. Um, I think it can happen, and that's what I'm hoping to find. Because if, if, if Darren Lee takes the kind of progression and moves like Leonard did, yeah. look out. 
because yep. he will be he'll scare you to death. And that's the hope at Jets Nation, and that, that's former Jets special teams coordinator Mike Westoff breaking it down for you. You can watch him on SNY because he's here in Indy until. Are you leaving today or tomorrow? No, I'm gonna leave tomorrow. He'll be leaving tomorrow, but he'll have you up to date on SNY. Coach, uh, so nice of you to stop uh, by. Great, it. great talking shop. We're gonna bring in Bob Glover here momentarily. Here, you've already heard from uh, J.F. Pennington here in Indy, Matt Miller, and Mike Westoff, and here comes Bob Glauber uh, uh, of Newsday here as we roll on at Radio Row inside the convention center. Bobby, how are you? Eric, I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to spend some time with you. All right. so, so what do you think about the combine? I read your article today. Uh, your major takeaways from uh, Todd Bowles' uh, news briefing yesterday. Todd Bowles is on the spot. <laughs> yeah. I, my point is that if they had done this kind of house cleaning in year one for a coach, totally normal. Uh, just rip off the bandage, don't, you know, and go through the pain early. Right. Things happen in year one, and, you know, Todd Bowles did a terrific job with what happened yeah. and particularly with Geno Smith and then going to Ryan Fitzpatrick they go to 10 and 6 they almost make the playoffs you know you so okay we'll give it another shot right that was not a super bowl contending team but they kind of acted like it was and they they tried and and obviously it didn't work and now you're seeing this massive house cleaning that you don't really see ordinarily i mean sometimes you'll see it again in year 1 so bowls is now year 3 yeah he was on the hot seat last year. It's a very tough spot. I hope they get the quarterback position right. I think that's going to be the key in really everything. If they can get a, if they can get Mike Glennon, if Geno comes back and lights it up, if something happens where it, it, it goes better at the quarterback position, then I think you can you can at least be optimistic. All right, it's official now. The team has uh, stated that Brandon Marshall indeed has been released. I know a colleague of yours, uh, Kim Martin, was first to the story uh, last yes, night. Yes, she was. At Newsday, yeah. so uh, congrats to Kim on that. Uh, Brandon took the Instagram uh, uh, last night and had a nice uh, farewell. Uh, really enjoyed covering him, and I, I'm sure you did as well. Sure. As, uh, Brandon, uh, uh, a tremendous guy with the media, totally understood this side of the business since yeah. he's been taking part in it. It, over at Inside NFL, and he's got a future in that. But I think he's got a lot of good football left in him. Were you surprised at all by anything that has transpired by these releases, including the aforementioned Marshall last night? Yeah, I I am a little bit surprised yeah. at how sweeping it was because I thought there were there was a chance that some of these guys would take pay cuts or would be offered pay cuts. But I th- I just think the decision was made. Obviously that no. We're going. We're, we're just. We're just going. Yeah. Okay. We are going for the rebuild. Now that's a pretty bold move. It's, it is a bold move, and it it, is it carries bold, risk. Is it a bolder move because it is New York? Because it, this is the market that you know so well. Yeah. You've been covered for decades. Yeah. Decades. Decades. <laughs> How about that? What are you saying? Uh, I'm saying that you are an yeah. experienced <laughs> veteran. <laughs> With a, high ca- with, a ha- with a high cap number. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. The cap number is very reasonable. No, but uh, yeah. what, they're, what they're doing right now, um, you, 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 you just said, hey, listen, that's not an easy thing. It, it's not easy. New York does play into it because with a young team, you have to believe that 
it's going to be a struggle record-wise if you're, you know, two and six. After eight games, you know, you're saying, oh, is this going to work? So, you know, football is not an instantaneous type sport. You just don't catch lightning in a bottle. You can't, it's not free agency in baseball where you can get better. You get, you sign guys and you know, you plug them in. You get two pitchers. You get a you you get a first baseman who can hit home runs. You're going to be better the next year. It takes time in football, and this is going to take time. And that's why I think that quarterback position is going to be so important in setting the tone for all this thing. All right, hey, listen. You're not only uh, live on NewYorkJets.com, but you're also live in front of thousands on our Facebook page. How do you think about that? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you. you Listen, you said they got to get the quarterback position figured out. Yes. But, Bob, when you look at the free agent crop, and we're here in Indy, the prospects are going to be talking today. A right. lot of different views on how good this class is. That's mm-hmm. easier said than done, right? Much easier said than done. And, you know, I think this is a particular draft where those quarterbacks are going to go high. Quarterbacks always go high. They're, they are always pushed higher by need. It's just the way it is. You can get into a situation where you have uh, the year Christian Ponder came out. There were a bunch of quarterbacks, a bunch of quarterbacks who went that year. Who we lost the light it, here, but we're still going. Okay, we're, we'll, we'll go in the dark. Yeah, um, and, and you can overdraft. It's very easy to overdraft, and I think you will see some quarterbacks this year who will end up being overdrafted because. They're just not projected as the big-time guys. Is Sean Watson? I, I don't know. Is he a top-ten pick? In other draft years, probably not. You know, yeah. if you get a Mariota and Winston year, he is not. But they push the envelope, and they push them up the board, and the teams that are worse off usually have a big need at quarterback. So unless you can, you really feel re- confident about that, and then especially a year after spending a second-round pick on Christian Hackenberg, right. who you would not let near the field, I think there are some legitimate issues going on there. You I think you're you, going to have to go into the free agent You do agent have route. a new offensive coordinator, John yeah. Morton, mm-hmm. and you do have a new quarterbacks coach in Jeremy Bates. It's right. his second stint with the Jets. Uh, we actually talked to Chad Pennington about uh, Bates uh, before. So, But if you're him and you're coming in here and you've got a couple of young quarterbacks, you're excited about the challenge ahead. I, I guess. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, when you have young quarterbacks, yeah, yeah it's exciting. But they got to get better. Right. Now, Bryce Petty took some steps forward. He also took some steps back. Christian Hackenberg, I I just find we don't know. know. Here's what what we know. When he comes back in training camp. I I get it. I get it. Here's what we know. They they wouldn't let him near the field on a 5 11 season. They they wouldn't let him get near it to get a look see at this guy. That's. That says something, Eric. I mean, you, you can't really ignore no, that. No, I'm not ignoring it. I'm right. saying there was nine offensive line combinations uh, last year uh, for the Jets. Yeah. Um, I, the, the, okay, the, but still, you you theoretically want to get a look at your second round quarterback at some point in a season that is right. done. But I will say so. this too: you have to admit this that even when they drafted him, uh, McCagnan's the guy who said, "In a perfect world, you never play." A rookie quarterback. Okay. He, he did say that. Well, but in today's NFL. Yeah, I know. You're you going you to give this yeah. exact press. Okay. Yeah. So, but when you look at free agent crop, you you like 
Glennon, you would you would put him on top. Anybody I, out there who's I would gonna approach the market? Next yes, week? I would. I I think Mike Glennon is the guy that look. He's not a savior. He's not a be all end all. Um, you're not going to be able to trade for Garoppolo. I don't know what what's going. I think they're going to just go to the highest bidder there. They either trade to Chicago or, or Cleveland or keep him. But Garoppolo is not in play to me for the Jets. For the Jets, um, Glennon, I think, is a guy that has, he was on their radar during the draft, um, and you know there was some some interest there. But I think he is the guy that has the experience, even as a backup. And he had a couple of starts, you know, for injury a couple of years ago. But I think he is the guy who projects as the best free agent quarterback. And I know other teams were interested in him and have been interested in him if their own quarterback situations didn't work out. So I like Glennon. And I don't dismiss Geno coming back. Yeah. Listen, you know, he said Gino, the other day that all yeah, options are in the table. Geno has been through a lot, some by his own doing. But I, I, I just, as much as you, as a, as a fan who was frustrated, would want to say, no, 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 get him out of here, I think you have to leave open that possibility. And you have to leave open the possibility that a guy's going to get better and improve and be functional. All right, so if I'm going to Newsday either tomorrow morning or Sunday, and I can definitely do that online as well. Sure. You're, you're probably writing quarterbacks. Are you? Do you know your focus yet? Are you going to listen in to Trubisky, Watson, Kaiser, Mahomes, and kind of get a feel before sure. your angle? Or what, what, oh, what yeah. are we doing? Here? Well, you don't cover. You don't write about the game before it's played. Yeah, so yeah. sure, you got to yeah. listen and see how they carry themselves. I, I think all all those guys are are going to be fairly polished for this uh, exercise in media relations. Sure. Uh, what it is, um, I you know there's. But again, I, I think you're looking at it. Number six, a year after gra- drafting a quarterback with the second pick, second round, do you go into the, do you go that high with one of these guys, or do you kind of wait, gamble, maybe even trade down, get some more picks, and then take take one who is available? I'll tell you what, this is something I'm convinced of after being here a couple of days and being down in Mobile, Alabama, Alabama at the Senior Bowl, is that there are a lot of impact players. On both sides of the ball yeah. here early in this draft, and, yeah. and this draft has a lot of depth. But I think if you stay at six, you don't take a quarterback, you're going to be getting a guy yes. who's, who's going to be a player immediately. There are players in this draft. The strength of this draft lines up with the Jets' needs, yeah. and that's at cornerback, and that's at edge rusher. So there are two needs right there. Now, depends on what Mike McCagnan and Todd Bowles feel about these quarterbacks. You're going to have an op- opportunity to draft one of them. Maybe the best-case scenario is those quarterbacks get overdrafted so high they go one, two, maybe even five or three with the Bears. I mean, the, it could be there could be this early run on the quarterbacks. Yeah. It's almost the best-case scenario. You just don't have that choice. But all things being equal, I think they will not go quarterback at six, um, but obviously keeping keeping all options open. Well, Bob Glover is always keeping his options open, and he stopped by today. So we thank you for making sure. the right decision right there. i got to thank uh, Chad Pennington, Matt Miller from Bleacher Report, Mike Westoff was here, Glover was here. We had an action-packed show. Thank everybody on Facebook for tuning in. And uh, make sure you check out Bob on Newsday. We will be back in Florham Park tomorrow. It's been fun from here in Indy. Eric Allen signing off.